and welcome to Imagine Me and Utena, a Revolutionary Girl Utena podcast. I'm Panda, I'm your host, and I'm here with my co-host, Alice. How you doing, Alice? I'm doing all right. Today, we are talking about Revolutionary Girl Utena Volume 3, To Sprout, and here to help us with that is our good friend, Siobhan. How you doing, Siobhan? I'm good, thank you. Uh, Siobhan, do you want to give the listeners a little bit of background on your background with Revolutionary Girl Utena? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Teresa, who you had previously, actually sent me like, a little review of Utena, even though like they had only got through like 10 episodes. Like, Siobhan, you have to watch this. You have to look at this. <laughs> so, like, I ended up being like, all right, so I spent like 36 hours marathoning it straight, and then this is like two years ago, and then I realized immediately that I need to get a sword. I'm like, like, of course, I need to start dressing a little bit more, Lieutenant, because I, I like black to be honest, and also I need to get my hands on as much like as I can merch wise so i just kind of never been able to talk about it but it's just somewhere in the back of my mind all the time <laughs> so like revolutionary girl utina is a pretty important series to you i guess you would say yeah it's very very important i like been putting around on the forums and stuff like that i've been around all over the place i've been like telling people like you need to watch Utena, but like be nice about it <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of hard to recommend this series to people. I feel like you have to give a whole bunch of warnings beforehand yeah. before you tell anybody that you should watch it. Yeah, definitely. Like, hey, by the way, it gets a little kooky, like, past episode four. Just just be wary. Just be aware. <laughs> uh, so had you only seen the series or had you read both the manga and seen the series before recently? Um, I had watched the series about two years ago, then I watched the movie, and I kind of, I think I want to say like a couple months ago, when I got the box set from Teresa, that I read- Teresa, <laughs> the MVP. <laughs> Teresa, the true enabler, um, who gave me this box set. So I read through all of that, and like I've kind of just been quiet on the front of seeing anything else. Like I haven't seen the musical or anything like that. You should. <laughs> You, yeah, you really should. The musical is a little more based on the manga, but, like, all of the actresses in it are very good, and, like, the music is very good. We actually did, like, a, an episode of our podcast where we <laughs> drank alcohol and watched the musical for the first time, and so that was fun. But, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a pretty good time. Because um, I saw a lot of promotional stuff that they're putting out a new stage play, and I've been slowly losing my mind. <laughs> Oh my god, we're so excited about that. We are definitely, literally as soon as there is some sort of subtitled version of this new stage play that's going to be out, we are definitely going to be doing an episode about it. Oh, for absolutely. sure. I, I can try to help with that because I've also been losing my mind because... Okay, the person who is doing a jury, I think it is, was Sailor Pluto in the Sailor Moon stage play. I think I heard about that because former guest of the show, Abby, is very into the Sailor Moon musicals. And I feel like she also told me that. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I can't wait. I'm going to die. It's going to be so good. <laughs> I'm very, very excited. So on to 
the manga that we have to talk about before we can do fun stuff. Yep. We are talking about volume three to sprout. Uh, how does everyone feel about this volume of the manga? I feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> Alice? Um, I'm not a huge fan, but I will say that I like the... I like this volume better than the beginning. I mean, anything's better than the prologue. Yeah, I like it better than the prologue, but also... We're starting to get into the territory here and a little bit last time where we really start diverging in really meaningful ways, like plot ways, that some of the stuff that's set up in this volume is not fun here, but will be interesting later. So it, it flies eh, back and forth. It goes. Yeah, this volume, um, part of it is just very, like, it doesn't really have an analog in the series, but then part of the manga for this volume has an analog in episode 13 no not 13 episode 12 of the anime where oh. utana wears the uh the normal schoolgirl uniform so yeah. we're kind of as far as the anime timeline goes we're skipping like way ahead well i think yeah because i think yeah. a lot of the sort of earlier episodes were the side stories kind of deal and now we're getting to like now we're moving into the stream yeah because after this uh we all have all three of us we have the big uh manga box set that came out like uh sometime last year and so we all have curried high trip as being like a short story at the end of our manga and i didn't read it for this so i don't anticipate talking about it but that was an episode in that was an episode in the first series or the first arc of the anime wasn't it or was that the second one yeah yeah curry high trip is where um that's in the first arc i think like it's in between that's the Maybe body curry? swap episode yeah that's the body that? swap episode. i just don't remember where it's the anime. utterly inexplicable i'm pretty swap. sure it's in the first season yeah yeah because um that's also where isn't uh yeah, that's where Mickey and his sister do their whole thing, and then we have Jerry's now a lesbian, and that kind of deal. Well, it's, it's where uh, Naname, well, in the Curry Hide Trip episode in the anime, Naname goes off on her trip to India because she, like, did something with a curry spice, but it ended up being anthe making everything go crazy in the episode or something this show is weird <laughs> this is a really <laughs> weird show that's your first indication yeah. yeah if you just if you're tuning in for the first time for some reason this is a weird fucking series <laughs> all right nothing makes sense and the rules are all made basically. up basically uh, whose sword is it anyway? So uh, <laughs> I'm going to give a an overview of what happens in this volume of the manga before we talk about it. Just to, to make sure that everyone is up to speed on the events that have occurred. So uh, when we last left off the volume previously... Utena had run into Toga in the Rose Garden, and she thinks that he's her prince. She then sees that, like, Anthe is in the Rose Garden, and she and Toga have this conversation about, like, 
how the Rose Bride has no soul or whatever because Toby's an asshole. Utena asks Anthe if she wants to be the Rose Bride. And we kind of talked about this when it came up in the anime about how like even when Utena is trying to do what's best for Anthe, she ultimately continues to fall into this trap of like kind of telling Anthe how she wants her to be instead because she's trying to get Anthe to be her own person but she's Utena is kind of imposing what she thinks Anthe's own person should be onto her mm. and so like that ends up being kind of a problem because when Utena is like Anthe you don't want to be the Rose Bride right Anthe's like yeah I don't want to be the Rose Bride because Utena told her to so Utena tries to get Anthe to make more friends, and by doing so, she tries to get Wakaba to become friends with Anthe, and so they all eat lunch together, and Wakaba and Anthe both made lunch for Utena, which causes a little bit of tension between them. Uh, Wakaba doesn't want to be friends with Anthe because she thinks Anthe's weird. She ain't wrong. Later, I mean, she's not wrong. I mean, yeah, <laughs> Anthe is pretty weird. Later that night, Utena wakes up in the middle of the night and sees that Anthe is not in their room. Uh, the next day, when Utena confronts Anthe about it, Anthe's like, oh, you must have just been dreaming. Then the next night, Utena wakes up again, and she follows Anthe to find that she's going to the chairman's tower. And that's where Utena meets Akio. Bad, <laughs> Bad. We, horrible. we hate Something that I think is interesting just about the manga, like, as sort of an aside, is that, like, Akio in the anime clearly has this, like, light lavender hair, but in the manga, his hair is, like, colored in, like, it's dark hair, like Anthe's. Yeah, he also sells the mullet, but, you know, this kind of Yeah, he definitely still has that terrible mullet for some reason that nobody understands. It's just kind of like that, you know? Why I don't understand why he looks like that. Um, at During the scene, Akio says that Anthe has referred to Utena as being her best friend, and that gave me feelings in my heart. Um, Anthe says she's going to try to mo make more friends, but it's probably just because Utena said she needs to make more friends. When Utena and Wakaba are talking about like her and Anthe's friendship, Utena talks about like how comfortable she and Anthe are, and Wakaba's like, "Isn't that what married couples say about each other?" And <laughs> Wakaba's like so that. jealous. Uh, <laughs> that's just in my notes, so I'm bringing it up. Yeah, Wakaba is so jealous throughout this whole thing. She is so upset that Anthe has taken up so much of Utena's attention. Uh, <laughs> Anthe, in an attempt to make Utena happy, I guess, tries to... She jumps on Utena's back the way that Wakaba does because she's like, this is what best friends do because Wakaba is your best friend and she does this to you. And... That's another thing that gave me feelings. Oh, deaf. Toga challenges Utena to a duel. Utena doesn't want a duel, but she does anyway. Anthe tells Utena to fight for her in this duel. Like, 
Utana is conflicted in this duel because she thinks that Toga is her prince still because like Utana is a little bit of a naive moron sometimes. And so she thinks that Toga is her prince and so she doesn't want to fight him. But then Anthe's like, nah, Utana, you got to like fight for me. And so then she does, which again, feelings. And also like we talked a little bit in a previous episode about how like, Anthe just talks more in this version of the story. Like she contributes more to the conversation surrounding like the Rose Bride duels and stuff like that. Like she actually has like it's almost like she has opinions about it, even though she's kind of trying to seem like she doesn't. And that just really sh- strikes me as an interesting difference here. Yeah, I think she's so much more conflicted in what she really wants and what is kind of expected of her kind of deal, like her own sort of agency. So it's odd to see it in the manga because the anime is a little bit more if you blink, you'll miss it kind of deal. Definitely. And in the manga, you see Anthony's reactions, you see her get concerned, you see why she does the things that she does, kind of. That's a really good point. Like, I haven't thought about putting it that way with the sort of like blink and you miss the anime is kind of blink if you and you miss it. But that is the big difference. Like, not only is the manga way more mundane and that it's grounded and they feel a little less of the whole like in the anime, everybody's bigger than life. But in the manga, these they actually feel like actual teenagers. And so, like, she isn't the same sort of doll shell that she tries to appear to be in the anime. She is a lot more... A little bit more. Well, normal. And I think one tiny little thing that contributes to them feeling more like normal teenagers is uh, throughout, and this is pretty common in manga, but throughout the manga, there will be like maybe like a little page where you see like a little like picture of a character and then like information like their biographical information like their age their weight their height you know like their interests and things that they like or whatever and i mean i don't know like it's pretty standard for manga but it just feels like it's something that contributes to like the grounding of these characters in reality a little bit if we see like a little like picture of them with like a list of information about them sort of like randomly put throughout the book you know yeah i can definitely see that what i also kind of see is how the anime does feel like it's cut for time like there are some points where like their character development is kind of cut for time or the things that are in here are a lot more intimate i want to say between the reader and the artist like um oh yeah absolutely yeah and i feel so like that's one of the manga's like strong suits against the anime where like you can pause the anime but you also don't want to in the manga you can walk away and you can go back kind of deal like i don't understand this so i'm gonna reread this whole conversation yeah no definitely um sorry i was trying to find my my place in my notes again so Utena didn't want to fight in the duels because she thought that Toga was her prince. And 
she ends up losing this duel. And I kind of forgot that Utena lost her duel at the end of the first season. And so it was a little bit of a shock to me when I was reading this again, I guess. But like, so Utena loses her duel to Toga and afterwards like Utena starts going to school in her like girl uniform yeah it just it looks so weird on her even though it's the same uniform that everyone else wears yeah and there's that whole page where it's just like other people talking like at Utena about how she looks and not really just like why does she suddenly change yeah, like nobody seems to care about why Utena has decided to wear a different outfit. Everybody else just is sort of like freaking out about it, whether it's the girls like freaking out about like, oh my god, I can't believe Utena's wearing a girl's uniform now, or the boys being like, oh my god, Utena's such a babe now that she's wearing girl clothes. God. I know. Yeah. I hate them. <laughs> I, I love the fact how Wakaba is just kind of like got done like a full like 360 protection around Tenna kind of deal. Yeah, Wakaba really see is like the only person who seems to understand how vulnerable Utena is right now. Even if she doesn't really understand what's going on, like Wakaba sees that Utena is wearing this girl uniform. She is clearly not okay, and like Wakaba needs to be protected from everyone who wants to hurt her. This, this, the way that this happened in the manga was just as affecting for me as it was in the anime. I absolutely agree. Despair event horizon, blue screen, heroic blue screen of death to, to steal like that TV tropes kind of language that we get here is just as good. That's kind of the thing with this whole volume is that there's some moments where you're like, this is awesome, even though it hurts my heart. And then there are other moments you're like, uh, uh, (laughs) groan. Extended groaning. Yeah. It's, it's, it's 50, 50. Uh, Anthe is serving all of the student council like their drink and what, like their tea and whatnot. And uh, because this is what Toga wants her to do. And uh, Sayonji slaps her again because I guess I just have to suffer and see Anthe Hamemia be slapped as many times yeah. as possible in any version of the story. Because. God forbid, can I rest, (laughs) please? I swear to God. It's just, it's so upsetting. Like, I don't understand why we have to see Anthe slapped as much as we do. Like, and in every version, like, it's in the show, (laughs) it's in the manga, it's in the Sega Saturn game. Like, it's in every version of this story, no matter what happens, we have to see Anthe get slapped across the face. And in this case, more than once. It's very upsetting for me. There is only one universal constant, and it sucks. uh, Yeah. And, like, Toga's whole reaction is just kind of like, uh, just like doing nothing kind of deal like he says nothing yeah like toga doesn't even do anything really when sayonji slaps anthe like he just like lets it happen and then is like he's like shut up sayonji (laughs) also same feel same hat yeah basically same feel um Uzuna is sad because she lost anthe and now she's wearing the girl's uniform Toga asks Utena out on a date 
because he's a terrible creep, and this also happened in the anime. Uh, Wakaba, again, like in the anime, splashes water onto Anthe's face and then also slaps Utena to kind of try to, like, get her out of her funk, I guess. Utena, at the end of this chapter, gets her black uniform, and then she challenges Toga to a duel, and that's where we... Oh, no, we don't end here. I thought it was the end. Um, Utena challenges Toga to a duel, and the rules of the duel are that if Utena wins, Toga will resign from the student council. If Toga wins, he gets Utena. And I'm not going to, like, ruminate on the implications of that. Before the duel, they talk about why Toga wants the power to revolutionize the world. And he gives her, like, the world shell monologue thing that we usually hear in the anime when they're doing the student council elevator. Which, by the way, I will say, for Alice's credit... Uh, I did find out by reading a transcription of the audio commentary done by Ikahara on early episodes of the anime, the uh, Crack the World Shell monologue is based off of that poem that Alice mentioned uh, early on in the podcast. Ooh, ooh, ooh. What was it? It's, it's Damien? It's actually from a novel by Herman H- by Hess. Okay, um, yeah, but the thing is a poem, right? Um, no, it's actually like in its original form. It's just somewhat. It's it's, oh. it's 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 like a paragraph said by a character. Okay, and they are describing. Um, it, it's a character talking to the protagonist, describing like this is what like you have to do as you grow up. Okay, and yeah, yeah so By the way, we should find those the crack- again because if you haven't read the transcripts of the um, of his actual like commentary they are fascinating i'll have to link to the page that i sent you of the transcripts of his uh commentary because some of it was pretty wild it wasn't comprehensive it didn't have commentary from every episode but had a lot of them and it did confirm that the crack the world shell bit from the student council elevator scene is from uh it's damien right Mm-hmm. Okay, Damien is what it is called. Alice mentioned that early on when we started doing the podcast, and I never looked it up to see if she was right because I didn't really care. But uh, it turns out that she was, so validation. Full validation. You are now the English major of the podcast. She is the podcast's I official English major. <laughs> Congratulations! We, we've had several other English majors on this podcast because I guess Utena is an anime made for English majors. But uh, I mean, Alice is our primary English major. Uh, Utena ends up winning the second duel when she challenged Toga. Uh, they see they all see Dios come down from the castle. Uh, which is like a whole big thing. Toga resigns from the student council and he wants to be Utena's servant and starts living in the dorm with them, which is super weird. Toga uh, tells Utena at a student council meeting that he plans to betray and the world. He tells her not to trust Anthe. Anthe apparently overheard all this and is like, nah, dude, like you should totally not betray into the world and you should totally trust him. 
And this is when Utena finds out that Anthe's allegiance is ultimately not to whoever she is engaged, but to end of the world. There's a fire in Wakaba's dorm. Utena goes to try to like rescue Wakaba, but then she can't. And Akio ends up rescuing her. And I hate it because I hate Akio and he's terrible. And (laughs) Utena has a part in this where she says that up close, Akio almost looks like Dios and it makes me want to die. And then basically the chapter is over. Like, that's the end of it. And, like, Anthea is sitting in Akio's lap, and then we all realize. Uh, yeah, there is that. I don't have my manga open right here, but yeah, there is that one little bit where we see briefly Anthea sitting in Akio's lap, and it's awful, and I hate it. And I hate this so much. Okay. I'm going, as I purge my mind of the uncleanliness that you have brought to me and made me listen to with my ears um, and had to look Which at with point? my eyes, lots of it. You chose to read the manga <laughs> far before I did. I did. That's true. Um, I wanted to specifically, I've kind of been take, keeping track of him every time because the big, the biggest difference until the very, very end for me in this entire thing this entire thing is <laughs> Toga. Yeah. Toga is utterly completely different. In the anime, we have Toga, the mastermind, the chess master, the doomed schemer. Oh yeah. I kind of I have a little also minor point about that of like mm. for the most part, Toga feels very genuine in the manga which is not something we're used to and then like when he goes to duel Utena for his first time like he reveals that he was just messing with her and he didn't actually think that he was her prince he was just trying to use that as her weakness and that's sort of the first time that we see the manipulative toga that we're used to and he seems to have pivoted back to being genuine once he loses and decides he's going to be Utena's servant. Well, the servant thing came across as being not very genuine um, as a plan. But, like, uh, yeah, across the board, this is a very different toga. Not because he's no longer manipulative or scheming or any of that stuff. The difference is that he schemes and manipulates and, like, a 16 year old not like a weirdly ageless mastermind yeah i think there's something else to be said because in the anime itself you can tell like toga and sayonji especially in the later later part of the series that they are trying to emulate akito because of the power that he holds because you know we can get into the specifics of oh well akito's adult and they want to be an adult and they think that that's the way to become an adult and break the world shell kind of deal yeah in the manga itself you don't see that Toka doesn't trust Akito at all. Toka doesn't interact with him in the specific way that he did through the anime. So I see Toka more as this person who thinks, like, maybe if I, you know, try to act like an adult, like in a seductive person in the same way that he tries to flirt with everybody, maybe if I try to pull this sort of power play on everybody, that means that I'm in control of the situation. That's what I really see going on. And that's such a, like... That is such a 16-year-old dude's way of view. 
it's it's a power thing. Yeah. Yeah, like we talk about sort of towards the end of the anime how like Toga gets kind of in over his head by trying to be too much like Akio and then realizing that Akio isn't actually what he wants to be. It's what he thinks he wants to be, what he thinks that a prince is supposed to be like. And here we don't really have that relationship because Akio and Toga, at least like right now, don't have any semblance of a relationship at all. And I don't know if that's going to change because I still like I only read as much manga as we have to talk about per episode. So I have no idea what's going to happen next. But like that was a whole big part of Toga's character in the anime was his closeness with Akio and how much he wanted to emulate Akio specifically. Whereas it's sort of like you said in this version in the manga so far, he just sort of seems to be emulating this like vague, ambiguous ideal of what an adult prince person would be like to a 16 year old. Yeah. Do like, he kinda... keeps pointing out... Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I was... Keep going. Uh, basically, what I wanted to point out was, like, I think Toga really sees Utena's version of a prince, like, a very idealized version of it, very naive and kiddish, which it kind of is. But he thinks to himself, well, I'm better than that kind of deal. Like, oh, I'm above all of this. But at the same time, he has these parts of himself, like... For one thing, I think he does really like Utena, but he has no idea how to approach that in any sense. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Especially this manga version of uh, of uh, Toka. I definitely get the feeling that he really does genuinely like Utena. He just has no idea what to do with that. I think he's the kind of person where in most shoujo manga, sorry, uh, you see these kinds of people in shoujo manga where it's like, well, the guy who is a dick to you really likes you and i think this is kind of like revealing even if it's like even saito's way of talking about it of how kind of like that's not how this is going to go like this is not how this is if he wants to actually i think later on in the chapter he kind of starts coming to it especially when he's talking to yutena being like don't trust anthe that if you if the yeah. if toga comes at this more genuine and actually being like I have a fatal flaw and this is my fatal flaw and this is what's going on. I think he's going to get farther in this manga than he's had before. I kind of like when you were talking about like that without that sort of connection between Akio and Toga, I realized that a lot of ways this is kind of like Toga. If this, this is the Toga that would have existed had Akio not fucked him up. Yeah. Without Akio's influence, would Toga have ever, because we talked a little bit about how it felt at times that Toka had sort of warped Seonji to be mm. what he was. How like Seonji kind of was following him, and Seonji is sort of a off-brand knockoff of Toga because Toka wanted him to be that way. He's a much more insecure, I, fragile version of Toga. Yeah, like this is this is Toka without all that influence, and so he's able to be good in a way. It, for brief moments of time in ways that he is not really able to yeah. until the literally the very end of the anime. Like he's still an asshole, but he's a 16 year old asshole and not, a, not like evil. He's not a monster. 
Yeah. Which Aikido is, but that's that's a different conversation about how Aikido's a monster and like the, how this all plays out. But kind of like what I really noticed was in each iteration of this story, you kind of see different parts of Toga because of different people telling it. Because I really do see like the movie of Toga, like his entire character, he's dead. Like th- that's what we all know. He's dead. We, yeah, we talked a lot in our movie episode about how much more we liked Toga in the movie. <laughs> and it's because he's dead. But anyway. <laughs> it's just because he's, he ha- because he's dead, he has less of an opportunity to be a manipulative dickhole. Yeah, I think, like, if you took manga Toga and then you gave him the backstory of movie Toga, I think he would make so much more sense than just switching from anime toga to like mm-hmm. manga toga. I think I think it makes so much more sense of why he's acting like that mm-hmm. and why you do those kinds of things. Terrible as it is, it it's in my way I see it as a person who's trying to take control of the situation through the means of which they see the world, of things that kind of have been mm-hmm. done or they see to quote unquote work. And Sayonji is that person who takes those same behaviors but doesn't have the inner dialogue that Toga has. He's a shadow. Yeah. Like, yeah. He doesn't have the, he doesn't have the, like he doesn't have the same motivations. Like it's interesting. Like with the movie, you get the best form of Toga that you, you can here. You have sort of a middle ground and then the show is the worst Toga. And it's interesting to me because we, we've talked a lot, especially through the show about Usna and uh, the show, and how it kind of deals with abuse and patterns of abuse and what it does to people mm-hmm. and how it warps them. And hold with me here. I kind of feel like you can kind of see in that spectrum of Toga sort of like almost you have that you have the movie Toga almost as a control group for you want to see here's a timeline of what it looks like when somebody has been warped by abuse and by dom- being dominated by bad people. You have the Toga who, in the movie, mm. dies saving someone. You have this Toga who has been caught up in other people's manipulative plots, but he hasn't been completely ruined yet. He still has like a little bit of like being an actual person left in him. And then you have anime Toga who is so completely wrapped up in Akio's web that he is, even when he knows that it's wrong, and even when he realizes that in helping Akio crush Utena, he's destroying everything that he loves, is unable to not do that. Yeah. You can also see that like, in Anthe's kind of version of this and everything like that, because I remember mm-hmm. someone told I think it was on the forums or something like that, the the sort of like conspiracy theory that the movie was Anthe's first go of saying what happened kind of deal. And especially... Yeah, and especially that's why it's so strange, and that's why, like, Sayonji is a one-person character who's immediately gone, and that's why Toga is dead, and, like, all these other things that have been going on were from Anthe's perspective kind of deal. And that's why it's so... I want to say... I don't want to... Yeah. I don't want to say, like, wild and crazy, but... It's... I mean, it's... it's, No, I... It's it's, 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 I 100% love this interpretation of the movie as, like... Because we sort of, like, we sort of characterize the movie as being part of, like, time loops where, like, 
the story of revolutionary girl Utenai keeps happening and that's what each of these iterations are is just like different versions of it happening over and over again and this idea that the movie is the the first time that Anthe really gets to decide what's happening really puts a lot of what happens in the movie into a different perspective that I hadn't really considered when we were watching it, but it makes so much sense. Yeah, I like that. Because, like, Anthe has so much more agency in this movie. She has, like, like, ultimately, the movie is what happens when Anthe decides to take Utena's hand, like, entirely like not just like like at the end of the series she takes Utena's hand too and then she goes off to like try to find Utena but this like at the end of the movie she takes Utena's hand and they leave together and so like this idea that this is Anthe's time to decide what happens I, I don't know. I just, I like, I, I don't have a lot to say specifically because I'm just so taken aback by how great of an interpretation that is of this movie. That is a good take. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, a really kind of like you've talked before about the cycles of abuse that are in Utena itself mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I don't think you can divorce Utena from those cycles of abuse because we've seen them play out in the anime kind of deal. And a big part of why I love the anime so much and why, like, I became so obsessed with it is that at the end of the day, Anthe leaves. Anthe is able to leave. And she says, this is enough. I've had enough. This is no longer good. Like, even if it was any good, it's not good. And leaves. And ditches the glasses and ditches these archetypes that has kind of been forced on her. Like there is a part, I think I want to say in the last chapter of the manga where Anthe actually calls out Utena on Utena saying, I want you to do this as a friend. And Anthe is like, am I your friend? And Utena changes the subject kind of deal. Yeah, she does sort of, yeah, like there is this moment, which this is one of the things that I love about like the Utena story is that like, there is a part of the story that definitely recognizes that Utena, even as like well-intentioned as she is, even as like even as much as she wants Anthe to be free for Anthe's own sake, she can't really divorce for a long time, she's not really able to divorce that from her own feelings about what Anthe should be doing, even if she thinks it's for Anthe's yeah. own good. Even like, even though she's trying to do yeah. something good for Anthe, she's still being a person that's telling Anthe mm. what she needs to do. Yeah, just because she's not intending to use her doesn't mean that she doesn't use her. She uses her. Yeah. Her sin is probably less. And actually... But that doesn't mean she's I actually free. feel like the... I actually feel like the manga makes that even more like explicit than the anime does because the anime addresses that and it addresses that through uh through utena's conversation with toga about like what the rose bride wants and whether or not the rose bride has a soul like i feel like even more so than the anime the manga sort of lays it out there that Utena is just continuing to be complicit in this control of Anthe that everyone else is participating in, even if she doesn't want 
to be even if she doesn't realize that's what she's doing because she thinks she's doing it like for anthe but at the end of the day like she's still just telling anthe what to do it's a different flavor of the same thing that had been going on for i'm guessing several years at this point if we're going by like what they've quoted to say this story's been going on for several years which i doubt to be honest but that's my casual take yeah they kind of are intentionally very ambiguous about how long the dueling game has been going on and how long all of this has been happening for. If we buy into the time loop theory, then it's been happening for cycles and cycles and cycles. And I mean, in the anime, when we see like Anthe and Dios's origin story, they look like they're in like medieval times. So like the implication is that some of this has been happening for a very long time, but like ultimately we have no idea because what even is time at Otori? I don't know. You have to ask Mickey. <laughs> Look. Oh, you just gave me a good place to use our stopwatch music that I thought we were going to be rid of now that we're done with the anime. What? Never. We're bringing that in and you're in Kuma with us and we're going to find a way to use it. God. I'm sure there's some God. fucking clocks in there. I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. But, oh God. Anyway. So should we get on to the horrifying um, merch timeline? Because actually, there is some specific Mickey merch that relates to that. <laughs> oh boy! Okay. Wait, so hold on. Do, do they hold- sell a version of the stopwatch? Because <laughs> well, I would buy that. Hold on. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Okay. So one of the reasons that. I have brought Siobhan onto this podcast. It's not just because Siobhan came at the recommendation of our very good pal, Teresa, my co-host of my other podcast, but also because Siobhan apparently knows quite a, a lot about Utena merchandise. And as a person who is <laughs> a total slut for merchandise, I am so invested in this conversation that we are going to have about Utena merchandise because Siobhan has apparently traversed the depths <laughs> of the web archive to find us information about Utena merchandise that I was previously not informed of and I am absolutely delighted to have this conversation so I don't know I don't have anywhere to start Siobhan if you just want to like start telling us about Utena merchandise that is interesting or like facts about Utena merchandise you know we're pretty free form here so like you can just sort of start telling us about basically whatever you want. And I'm sure Alice and I will be absolutely delighted. Very, very excited. So first of all, shout out to my fucking wife, Teresa. (laughs) She's the um, best. She's the best. She is, she's ultimately the best. And I am so glad she introduced me to the series and also to Panda and also to most of the opportunities I do, because if not, I'd be quiet forever. But, um, I don't really know where to start, but I think I should probably start just with, like, simple stuff and simple early stuff. So, like, series came out in, like, mid-90s, sort of, like, sort of a little bit early 90s. And then once Zeus had ended, then all the merch came out. And so we have um, some weird merch. We have some weird merch. So the cowbell that Nanami um, uses in one of the episodes that turns her into a cow 
was originally for sale. If anyone needs to buy me something for any upcoming holidays, this cowbell would be the only thing I ever want for the rest of my life. Guys, Hell you yeah. can help me find one. <laughs> I can see what I can do. But um, another thing is that they actually sold like stationary sets of like all the student council stuff. They sold um, Mickey's uh, like actual notebook at one point. And his stopwatch at one point, which, hey, that's really cool. But. Okay, one, I need to know more about the stopwatch. But two, I also have another question. Siobhan, my main question about merchandise is how much Utena merchandise was made before. How much Utena merchandise was made where Utena still had her pink manga uniform and her orange slash strawberry blonde hair because a lot of what we see tends to have the anime black uniform with the pink hair but i know that teresa had a couple of stickers with the original colors or with at least chiho saito's original color scheme on it and that the idea of merchandise existing with that color scheme on it just sort of fascinates me. There were some things of it. There wasn't as much as we see now with the anime stuff, with the um, anime coloring. Uh, from what I can remember, the anime um, had produced a lot of merch, but the manga had also produ- uh, produced merch. And mostly what we see it in is um, like art books, because there have been art books coming out, I want to say every two to three years. So I have to say that there is actually a pretty decent amount of uh, old school Utena. We also see them in, I think there is like a garage kit of old school Utena. And I think there's also like uh, trading cards that have old school Utena. But after that, it's all been anime coloring, anime styles, anime design. Yeah, I I have to admit I'm a little partial to the anime design just because it's what I'm used to and also just because orange and pink are not really my favorite uh, colors to combine. But there's something about the old school manga colors that's really charming to me. Saito did a really good job. I think there was actually like a little piece in the manga that was like Saito was asked like what colors do Yutena have and she said red yeah. <laughs> and they went with black. <laughs> yeah okay Um, I do I remember exactly what it is you're talking about. There's a little mini like comic that she put in like on like the back of a page of the manga and it has Ikahara asking her she she says in the little comic that they had already nixed the idea of Utena having a pink uniform so Ikahara asked would Saito rather the uniform be red or it be black and Saito even though she wanted the pink uniform, since they had already said no, she was like, well, red, I want red. And then Ikuhara was like, okay, we'll do black. And I feel like, I think we may have mentioned it when we talked about it in the episode, but that just feels very like representative of Ikuhara's relationship with Saito when it came to stuff to do with Utena, because like they worked together that ultimately, if Ikahara wanted something to happen, it was gonna happen. I feel like that also is representative yeah, of Ikahara's yeah. like relationship with 
like reality. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, are you telling me that people can't turn into vehicles? Well, that's bullshit. (laughs) They do now. She's now a literal metaphor. (laughs) I don't know how it happened, but it happened. But excitingly, um, I think I already sent Panda the screenshot. Uh, I got it off the Wayback Machine that there used to be an archive, I think a Japanese archive, of all the utensils that had been produced since probably 2005 or so. And people had referred to it on the forums, but it eventually disappeared. And then, uh, so I had to grab it off the Wayback Machine, but it's just like, it's a nightmare to look at. It's such a nightmare. (laughs) It is a... It is a whole bunch of question marks and unintelligible symbols. And in the background is just a whole bunch of like rose crest roses. Yeah, but I do have, um, I was able to grab one. There's on the anime boards, which are part of um, my anime list for a couple like decades now. Um, they've had the small form saved that's called Merchandise of Utena from 2001. So I can read off what this person has seen across the net in 2001. Are you ready to hear this? I am. I have never been more ready to hear anything <laughs> in all of my life. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So um, there's, <laughs> there's of course the Rose uh, Signet ring that we see, we see it with the blue, uh, with the new blue rays and stuff like that, but that's been around forever. Nanami's cowbell. Um, We've also seen the little, uh, there's some real model, like, resin dolls that came up. So, like, old school 1990s Barbie style of Utena and Naname and I want to say Wakaba, I want to say. There's a mini choo-choo that comes on with those, like, um, those real resin dolls. Uh, But what people have seen on the net are phone cards, watches, a choo-choo watch from the movie, a rose pendant, pen boards, bookmarks, mobile phone straps, so like the capsule toys and stuff like that we usually see, um, big fans, badges from Utena's cap, like in the movie, um, a mirror, a Utena hairbrush and mirror set, a picture frame. Oh my god, uh, I want that so bad. <laughs> I want all of these things so bad, like everything described here been like i need to see this right now <laughs> ebay is our friend but um at least three different this is in 2001 there have, of course been more of them at least three different utena garage kits there's actually anthe figure kits that exist but um they're very very hard to find and they haven't been really any more figure sets of any other characters including anthe since probably 2014 and they were never released that's what i remember though my heart. It, it's just it, I want the Anthe. I want the Anthe so bad. But um, also, Utena injury swords. Uh, there's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like their swords were these specialty swords. Um, there was also a whole thing that I had never seen before until probably like two years ago when this person scanned them from their personal collection. But there was actually a whole tarot card set that was made by. Uh, Saito. Like, <gasps> it, yeah, and that's where you see, really? like, one of the last sort of printings of old school manga Utena. That's strawberry blonde and, like, the whole nine yards. That's the only time you really see them. I think, I think my heart just started racing. <laughs> I'm very emotional right now. 
I need to see pictures of these. You can like Google them. I'm, you can Google it. I will no a hundred percent. As soon as we finish this, I am gonna look throughout the internet to find these images of this tarot card set because, oh my god, I need to see this right now. This sounds so cool. There's also a UFO catcher dolls of Utena, Anthe. Oh, I have definitely tried to find these UFO catcher dolls on the internet. I have definitely tried to buy them, and they are so expensive, and nobody has an Utena for sale, and I want it so bad. Let's see, what else in that set? They have uh, Jury, Mickey, Naname, Seonji, Akito, and Intuchu. They've got mouse pads, and I think I sent uh, Panda a link to a Wakaba mouse pad. It's in the chat somewhere. Um, they also had uh, e-graphics cards. I have no idea what that is, but I'm going to pretend I do. <laughs> uh, paper dress-up dolls. Uh, rolls holders. Like, to pin. Like, lapel pins. Oh, um, my God. And then they released, like, there's been a long scanning of, like, Utena art books and stuff like that. So, Art of Utena book, this animation book, uh, the movie book. Um, then uh, Saito had a bunch of books. Uh, there's been a bunch of unofficial ones, less I remember. Yeah, I know that um, Empty Movement, which is a website that we reference very frequently because they have a lot of Utena resources and Utena scans mm. and whatnot. I'm pretty sure that they have uh, an extensive collection of like random art book scannings, but I'm also not 100% they, yeah. sure on that. They have a lot of stuff there. If if you're listening to this and you care about Utena and you have not been to otori.new, you definitely need to go there because Empty Movement is your place to go. It is. They have so much. It is. I've been, of course, I've been, I think I've been running around the forums for about a year now or so. I don't really say anything, but I do like reading. They have like multi-page, like meta stuff, which makes me lose my mind. Oh yeah, Definitely. We actually, um, I've talked to one of the mods for Empty Movement, and I'm hoping that we'll be able to make it work to where we can have one or more of them on an episode of the podcast, because that would be so cool, because, like, Empty Movement has been around for, like, over 10 years. Like, I don't know, uh, Siobhan, if you heard our episode where we talked about the uh, quote-unquote lost Utena musical that happened, but yeah, there was the musical that uh, there is basically no proof of, except for in an empty movement forum post, somebody translated a blog post from somebody who went to see this play, and that's the only proof that we have that this play happened. And that post was from over 10 years ago. So, I like, mean, it empty- might be a really elaborate dream. Empty Movement has been doing so much work for the Utena fandom for, like, way longer than either Alice or I have even known what Utena was. They're, like, I I can't give enough props to them. Like, they are so cool. Yeah, I found out a lot about merch and things like that. And I also kind of found about the Anthe, like, movie theory about all that kind of stuff and, like, how this person, like, divulged into it and, like, the debate on it through the forums, which I kind of ended up being stuck on. I know they have a Discord, like, chat set up, and I'm like... Oh, I should definitely check that out, because we have a Discord for the podcast, but I would love to check out their Discord. Plug the (laughs) Imagine You Tenant Me Discord, just quietly. (laughs) (laughs) 
God. Uh, let's see. What else do I remember? So there's actually been a lot of keychains and stuff like that. There have been these mini figure keychains, which are called capsule keychains. And from I have all of them. I think there is six of them of that specific set. And they're very expensive. Um, yeah, I think uh, this probably didn't make the actual podcast, but we were talking about this before we started recording. The uh, the set of those keychains that we found on Amazon was like $170 yeah. for those six keychains. I have several <laughs> of those keychains. My... My poor, uh, I don't know if it's Aiko or Biko, but my Shadow Girl keychain has lost her arm and it's very sad. It's very, very sad. And um, But in that set is Utena, Anthe, Chuchu, uh, Ikido, um, Mikage, and then a Shadow Girl. And that's the only time I see any Mikage merch. I think like a couple other things that came out, but I haven't really seen them. I think I've seen one of them and it's like... Um, it's like a clear file kind of deal. There was also a lot of clear file stuff because you could kind of expect that. But there was yeah. also um, a metal goods collection, which we have seen. I think Alice actually linked to it, but it's of like clear little uh, metal goods. They're like little keychain things and they show specific series and they show the one scene that I love from the anime that I always quote to people where Toga's looking through the eyeglasses and he says, oh yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and that's like my favorite scene out of a lot of them but that's like one of my favorites because i always love people's reactions to it my favorite quote from the anime will always be uh oh oh naname you uh you're what is it he says it's like um that's the reason we get along so well because you are not a girl who lays eggs. God, that I, sometimes I like remember that episode happened and it just blows my mind all over again. <laughs> there <laughs> are I actually for people who are listening to this right now, um, two days ago <laughs> I was having a very bad uh, bo- physical body and mental health day. So I decided to make that worse by looking up uh, Revolutionary Girl Utena cells on uh, eBay. And I found a couple of cells from Revolutionary Girl Utena on oh. eBay. And I feel like one of them was from that episode. And I was very upset <laughs> and very much in the mindset that I would spend way too much of my money on a piece of animation, but I didn't do it, but I wanted to. And I posted, I think a screenshot of an eBay, uh, like a set of eBay search results that had three different Utina cells on it. And two of them were over $500. And oh, I feel you. <laughs> I, I was very upset and, very much wishing that I could spend $500 on a picture of Utena, but I absolutely could not. But, God. Oh, God. Yeah. That also, <laughs> in terms of there not being a lot of Mikage merch, I mean, I feel like most people try to pretend that Black Rose arc didn't happen. <laughs> Even awesome. though I like a lot of what happened in Black Rose arc, ultimately as like a function of the plot, like... It doesn't really As matter. Point of order, I would like to register my discontent with this sentiment. I, my, <laughs> oh, I really? think Black Rose Arc is awesome, and I would die on this hill. 
Same hat. I'm already digging in. <laughs> I don't I don't think that it's bad. I just think that like honestly, the story could flow pretty easily if you just go from the first arc to like the third arc and skip over most of what happened in Black Rose. Even if it's good, even if I feel like it contributes to a lot of very good characterization for a lot of the cast of Revolutionary Girl Utena. As a plot, it 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 feels like filler. Okay, this I want everyone to listen. Like all everyone who listens to this episode, I want you to hear this. <laughs> I am challenging Panda. At one point, we are oh, going no. to have an episode where I do nothing but defend the honor of the Black Rose arc. Can I and be on determine, that episode? <laughs> determine whether or not it's worth I watching. Will, Absolutely. Okay, so it's going to be me versus Alice Friday, and Friday, If anybody else wants to join Monster the podcast <laughs> to fight the the Black Rose arc and defeat me in hand-to-hand combat. Wait, can, can, can word not be hand-to-hand combat. Lose badly. <laughs> no, it, it will be word to word okay, combat. Okay, good. Because, in which God definitely best you are me. Very. I feel like you would you would destroy me <laughs> in hand-to-hand combat. Yeah, you can, like, you're, you're so short, you can kick my legs out from under me. <laughs> Bite my ankles and stuff. You are a full <laughs> head taller like, than me. <laughs> probably about like five or six inches. Like you probably like I don't know. You're I, I can't like it's. It, <laughs> you are actually half a foot taller than me. I that don't know what you're doing now. There, you could be Kick biting my ankles off for all I know. <laughs> and that is what I will be doing. I will definitely be biting I those ankles. Like, I, don't know. I feel. <laughs> <laughs> we got off topic. I'm sorry. <laughs> Welcome to Imagine Me and Utena, where the rules don't matter and everyone has a sword. Yeah. Oh, I own a sword. I have several swords, actually. It's Utena Ball. Do you have swords? Tell us actually, about yes, your I swords. I do want to hear about the swords because I also have swords. Uh, um, I don't have any swords. I, I usually uh, sometimes make the joke, being like, "Well, I have a sword within thirty feet of me at all times." But it's true. It is true. And the thing is, though, is that. Um, <laughs> is that uh, my dad uh, did um, RFH LARPing in his college years, which means uh, really fucking hurt. <laughs> which means really, yeah. really fucking hurt LARPing. And um, that means that he actually trained with a kendo sword, which I own. Um, he also had a broadsword, which I also own. He also gave me a bunch of knives. I have like a machete stack somewhere in my bookcase. Like it's a lot. It's a lot to deal with. I think you might be my hero. You have so many blades. I legitimately think you might be my hero right now. You came very armed to this podcast. <laughs> I am always armed. I am that person. I know how to sword fight. But um, basically, uh, if I can say the Utena and uh, Jury Swords actually do exist, but I believe that they are cosplay swords, so they're not like, actual real blades, which makes me upset. <laughs> that I'm glad that you answered that because that was literally about to be my very next question is are they real <laughs> swords? I'm so God, I'm so fucking disappointed that they're not real swords. I, I like I really legitimately want to find me a blacksmith who will make me Utena sword. 
Oh, hold on. I got something in my bookmarks that I gotta give you. But uh, how about you ask me more questions about merch? Because I have a lot of stuff. <laughs> I Yes, I want to know everything that you have in your brain about merch. Do you have any like pieces of merchandise that you are aware of that people would not expect to exist? Um, oh, God. I know that that's a very broad question, but... It is a very, very broad question. Um, the thing is, though, about Utena in general is that a lot of their stuff sticks with the theme of Utena. I mean, early era Utena merch, you had the Naname Bell, you had um, Jury's Watch. You know. I still can't <laughs> believe that the Naname Bell exists. I'm still in, like, emotional <laughs> shock from this knowledge. They had these little figures, which are just, like, melted candle figures. Oh, um, it just came into my mind. There's actually a set of figures of Utena and Anthe. I forget what they are, but I believe they are Barbie figures, which included in it is like a, um, is a radio play of like the, of Utena, of, of like side stories that don't exist. What? <laughs> okay, hold on. Is this like, uh... Is this a, like a separate story or is this a pre-existing Utena story? This is kind of like, um, I believe they are stage plays of like um, independent like news stories, quote unquote, of like side stories within the canon, but before like the entire explosion of the last arc. Oh my wow. God. Okay, this is okay. I'm saying this on the air right now. If anyone finds any information about the plot of any side story radio play things from Utena that we can talk about, and if you can send any information on that to me, we will absolutely do an episode about it, and I will drag <laughs> Siobhan back here to talk about it with us because, like, I'm willing to basically do an episode about any possible, no, like, can, uh, canon or canon-adjacent story in the Utena universe. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if it's fucking weird <laughs> as hell. I want it. I need it. And we will do it. <laughs> We're not... <laughs> Go ahead. But, so, okay, so these were, like, dolls that had, like, radio plays with them? That's that is... really they weird. They basically had... It was, and they basically included in it, like, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but you probably saw this as a kid, but mini discs, micro discs. So they're very oh. tiny, oh, yeah. very, very tiny. And that was what they were on and stuff like that. Um, along that same sort of vein, there was a lot of ODSTs that came out. I think there's there's multiple of um, the entire track kind of thing from the past couple arcs. There's a Bossa Nova remix. There is an industrial remix, which I lose my mind to in the goth club every Sunday. But you know. <laughs> okay, I definitely have yes. to hear this. Has there been an official OST release for the the Utena soundtrack? Uh, for the musical? Or for just in general? Uh, no, just like like the, like the anime is what I was thinking yes, of. There have been... But also the musical, now that you brought there is, that up. There is a official CD for the musical. There is an official CD for remixes. And then I believe that they're from 1999 or something like that to 2016. There has been a release every two years of the ODST, basically. 
So, um, wow. you could find, um, on YouTube, you can find, like, the entire ODST of all of them, piano covers, the originals, everything. Oh, yeah. I, I think you mean I ODST, definitely, not ODST. Uh, <laughs> that's something very different. Uh, in, uh, doing, uh, episodes of this, I have had to look up songs from the anime to use as, like, little sound bites in this very infrequently, but yeah, you can find the entire, uh, Utena soundtrack on YouTube very easily. Yeah, in 2016, the original, uh, songwriter, uh, for Utena, we had, like, that whole surrealist rock thing, actually released a new album, for of Utena music, which is like re-recordings of everything. I believe there was like a couple new tracks from what I can remember. I can't remember the album name of it, but I want you to know it was 16 words long and Apocalypse is repeated three times. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so it, <laughs> I am entirely unsurprised and by then, this. Um, from what I can remember, the ODCs have kind of been on it. They keep bringing them out and the covers have always just been by the character designer and like that. Um, there was for the 15th anniversary, there was special illustrations that were put out of the, from the character designer, which like I love personally because they're all like uh, oil paintings and I lose my mind all the time because, yeah, I think like um, oh, at an anime convention great. that I went to like two years ago or something like that, I went there and I was at this stall and I look over and there's an original like uh, Chita Saito Utena drawing for $200. I would have, imme- like, I don't care that it's $200. I would have immediately spent all of my con money in that moment. I had to be convinced not to. I had to be convinced. I know, like, I, I should, like, in this hypothetical situation, I would absolutely should not have done it, but I would have done that and I would have had no regrets and then I would have gone home and then I've had a lot of regrets. I think, like, because Teresa was there with me because she's basically at every single convention I go to, I think we locked eyes and we both realized what kind of danger we were in. <laughs> For only $200? That's See, that's my mind. is like, what a steal! <laughs> Even though it's like, that's $200. You can't spend $200 on a picture. Oh my god. But, yes, you can. You totally can. <laughs> right now. See? This is what I had to deal Absolutely. with. Absolutely. <laughs> we can go hapsies. Okay, I have another merch yes. question. Choo choo merchandise. What's up with that? Uh, there's actually a lot more choo choo merchandise than you think there is. Really? Um, yeah. Uh, there has been uh, plushies and stuff like that. There have been shirts. Teresa actually talked about this, which I'm mad about because I was going to talk <laughs> street about Street Rat Choo Choo. Yes! Yes, Street Rat Choo Choo. That's my favorite t shirt. And I found it on Amazon for like 40 bucks. And I'm losing my mind all the time about buying it. Because it's so good. It is so good. But it's, I mean, admittedly, very good. It is very good. There's been uh, figures and stuff like that. With the new uh, Smile Company Utena figures, there have been a bunch of Utena figures. I think we've all seen them and kind of like cried over them. But there is actually like a lot of choo-choos that go along with those figures. So there's stuff being made of him. So he exists. He's here. I love him. He's a friend. How do you feel about this is not merch related necessarily but we've had conversations on this podcast here about the comparison between uh manga choo choo and anime choo choo and how manga choo choo is very like buff 
weird and not what we're used to. Yeah, Manga Chuchu is like, in my mind, I'm like, that's a built motherfucker. Like, he's <laughs> body butter. <laughs> Dude, you're not wrong. That is also similar to what I think when I see I'm like, big boy. I like, I look at him and I'm just like, I see my fat cat Iago and I'm just like, here's my boy. He's my big big fuzzy boy. I love him. He's my favorite. But um, I actually have a question for you. What do you think is the narrative significance of Choo Choo? Yeah, the narrative significance. People always ask, like, what's the point of Choo Choo? Like, is this just a part of like magical girl anime? Is this like a mascot for uh, Saito? Is this a way for Anthe to like kind of talk about her issues? Like, is Choo Choo a way for Anthe to be human? Like, what is this? What's the point of Choo Choo? I have a go, thing. Alex, I have go, a thing. Go, 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 I have go. a thing. Okay, hold on. Okay. Before, I, my thing is very quick, and I was going to say, I have always sort of just considered Choo Choo to be like he fills the function of the magical girl mascot character and so I haven't really thought about him very much but I feel like now that we are getting into the manga and now that we have spent so much time on Utena I feel like there's more that can be said about Choo Choo and I feel like my very good co-host Alice has something wild as hell that she's about to say to me about Choo Choo. Okay. So are you familiar with a play called Macbeth? (laughs) (laughs) Just a a a little a small play by a guy named Billy Shakespeare. Not Macbeth, I meant to say King Lear. Oh, I'm not familiar. Shakespeare's Lear has a character that is Mm. the fool. And the purpose of the fool in the play is that the fool says what's true. But unlike, like, do you guys know the story? Really, really quick. I don't know anything about King Three sentences. King is going to die. So he asks his daughters to come and get their inheritance. And so he can just like retire. And, Two of them, the two older ones, like praise him absolutely, and they say all kinds of bullshit that isn't true, and just just like, and and he gives them what, what they want. The third one refute says basically just says nothing but I love you, but I'm not going to lie and tell you that you're the best person who's ever lived, because I think that I think like you know what I mean. She's blunt, but she yeah. still loves him, and so he acts in a rage and basically exiles her. The fool throughout the play is the only person who can say the truth. Like he is there and that is his, in the play, that's how he works. But in general, that's how the fool or the jester works as a literary and as an actual like real life cultural trope. I only know about the fool through tarot context. Choo Choo is the fool. Nice. Like Choo Choo is not like the one who could tell the truth without danger in the same way but he's also the one that can allow anthe to be human in a safe mm-hmm. way like anthe can't throughout the anime and to a lesser extent but still sort of in the manga cannot be herself because she is the rose bride or because seoji and toga are controlling her or because utana is trying to help her but it kind of like traps her in just yet another role but with Choo Choo, she can be her own person with her own little weirdness, and he's okay with it. Yeah, I, I kind of... Choo Choo is the fool, and... Choo Choo is the fool. Like, there are certain people who have actually pulled out and said, like, well, if Choo Choo didn't exist in the anime, manga, you know, all 
you know, three sides of the same coin, you know, would the story change? And for me, I feel as though Choo Choo is such a big part because Choo Choo, it's not just like the fool because he is, but it also signifies like this sort of gentleness. Like you can see where Anthony is in kind of control of the situation. Like there are certain parts where um, Choo Choo is not there and it's super serious. And if he did appear, it would be really, really like the worst timing kind of deal. And like, if you blink, if you miss it and you notice like certain parts where Choo Choo is in the story or Choo Choo is in the scene, it takes a different context than when he's not. So it's, I have a question that's kind of on the side of this. I don't, I don't know if I uh, interrupted you, uh, Siobhan. If if I did, then please continue. But I have a, a side question that is involved with the choo-choo question. No, go nuts. Go on. Okay. My question is, so what does this mean that choo-choo doesn't really show up in the movie at all? Well, choo-choo shows up in the movie in like, he's on the VHS tape reel. As a joke. Yeah, he's in the one scene where we have, like, the callback to Naname turning into the cow. But otherwise, he's not in the movie basically at all. Well, I think the reason for that is, is that Anthony, if we're going by what I'm assuming, which is my take, which is the movie is Anthony's first kind of go around of trying to explain what was going on, what happened. Choo Choo is not going to act as a sort of just, like a narrative piece for her. She's talking. She doesn't need Choo Choo to talk because she's in the safe point where she doesn't have to hide anymore. And that's, you know, kind of falls into the fool trope. But it also, for me, kind of falls into this thing where um, Choo Choo acts in the same sort of way the shadow girls do. When, um, you know, towards the end of the anime series where Anthea's walking out, Choo Choo's by her side and she's leaving, and he's leaving alongside of her. And to me, Choo Choo is not just like a mascot. Choo Choo is a symbol of these parts of Anthe that Anthe does not want to throw away when she leaves her horrible situation. I think Choo Choo is this core part of her that can't be thrown out. I think Choo Choo is the same way that we talk about uh, family pets who passed away when we were children kind of deal. That's how I view it. And in the movie, because Choo Choo is not there, I imagine because Anthe has grown up. And this is the first time that she's been able to talk about the things that have happened to her in her own weird way. But that's the way that she's been able to talk about it. And she doesn't want Choo Choo to be a part of a story that is so painful like this. That's my kind of, that's my whole opinion. And it's sad, but it's also really kind of hopeful because it comes from a place where Anthe feels safe enough where she can talk about it kind of deal. It's also a point where she can like have sex with Utena and it's like completely fine, but you know... (laughs) I'm glad that you gave us those feelings there for a minute and then you pulled it right back into look everything look, we else. Up this place. <laughs> we are always here and I think that's a you know fine place to be at, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I actually that's a that is a really fantastic read of the situation because I had been kind of like toying with that while we were talking about Choo Choo and his function in the series. And like, I do, I, I wholly accept this explanation of uh, the movie being Anthe's, 
go at like dictating the story basically because it just it makes so much sense and i'm easily swayed (laughs) by good conversation and like it's just it's a very it's a very positive and hopeful read of the events of the movie in the context of the rest of what the revolutionary girl Utena series is. And so this idea that she doesn't necessarily need Choo Choo there to help communicate like her more gentle side of the story really makes sense in when you view the movie in that lens. Yeah. I, I personally love Choo Choo. (laughs) I love Choo Choo too. Like Choo Choo was really weird for me to get accustomed to the very first time that I watched Revolutionary Girl Utena. But like once you get to the end, you can't really imagine the story without him having been there because he's just like he's not he's integral, but he's not integral in the part where you think of like him as affecting things as they go on but like he's there and if you take him out like it feels like something is missing you you lose the big part of utena which is to me utena is really about escaping abuse Mm -hmm. but it's also about the human people within that abuse and things like that of how you know when kids are kind of involved in these terrible situations it's like that they bounce off each other and it makes so much more sense for me to look at it and to think, well, Utena is a part of it where it's about escaping abuse and the terrible things that happen during that and how you feel powerless and how the adult kind of take over and you try really hard to be an adult when you're not. But a big part of it is that there's such like a humanist flawed perception that maybe if you become this one thing that you want to become and this one thing that's just out of reach, like maybe if you just lose those 10 pounds, maybe if you just, you know, get your life together, maybe if you get a better job, that things wouldn't be as horrible anymore. And it's such a humanist way of looking at it. And I see that in the manga itself, where Utena has this big fatal flaw of wanting to become the prince that saved her. But to achieve that, she has to turn everybody else into an archetype. Everybody else has this role to play. And Toga is a person who sees that, but doesn't know how to handle it and doesn't know how to change it and doesn't know how to get out of it. So he just repeats it. And it's it's a very human sort of reaction to do that. Mm-hmm. Now we're all sad. Oh, no. <laughs> It's true. Yeah, no, yes. Though, I, I mean, now, now you know what it's been like for me playing, <laughs> I mean, like, going along with this the whole time, like, <laughs> and I really wish that we, I, some parts of me wish we talked about that more in our sort of, like, wrap-up episode <laughs> that we did, but that- Well, fuck, we talk about it now, who gives yeah, a shit? Basically, what you just <laughs> said is absolutely one of the reasons why Utena is so important to me as a show. It's just, there's, there, there, there are lots of shows, lots of media that poke at- what abuse in its various forms looks like and what it does to people. But few of them are really touched on the, I, I, I barely know how to say it. Like few of them have really done so in the way that Utena has that have, I, I felt in the same way that Utena has. There's an aspect of a lot of media that deals with um, abuse, whether it's emotional abuse or physical abuse or sexual abuse there's always a little bit of an aspect that feels almost like the word clinical comes to mind. But when I say that, I mean more of like 
it feels like somebody looking at a case study and talking about it rather than like having lived it necessarily. But there's something about Utena that feels very like you feel the situation like from the outside to the inside, not just like as an outside observer, mm-hmm. even if you don't necessarily get it like this character of Anthe specifically, I feel like really gives this dimension to emotional abuse that we don't often see in a lot of things that try to deal with abuse. When you look at it from an outside perspective, it seems like something that should be so ridiculous. But this show kind of gives us a way of viewing it in a more empathetic light than a lot of things tend to do. I don't know if that, if any of that all made any sense. It it makes sense in the way where the cultural view of abuse and the clinical view of abuse does not really factor in the feelings when you're inside of it and you're stuck in it. Because I think a lot of people can talk about that like at length being like, well, I saw what abuse looked like on TV and it was happening to me, but it didn't happen in this specific way or it didn't hit the mark or it didn't talk about what I felt. So I just thought it was normal. Like I thought, oh, well, you know, he may hit me, but he won't use knives. Like, oh, he may hurt me, but he's not hitting the dog. Like kind of things like that. And and the whole kind of thing of Tenna that I've really just kind of hung on to like I've shown the movie to people in that sort of way of being like okay this is someone who's been through the things that you know maybe we have been through or like other people we now have been been through and this is the first time that they talk about it and you can just tell and you can just understand what's been going on and things like that and so I think Utena takes it to a degree where yeah there's flying swords and like all this really cool beautiful symbolism and all this kind of stuff but at the end of the day Anthony's a kid who's underneath the thumb of an old mother who's the kind of person who five years after the game has ended is going to show up in the parking lot with a bunch of other teenagers to talk about how great it was. And Utena, yeah, and Utena is this person who wants to become so much more than herself without realizing the absolute cost of that. And it's it's such a human relation. And when you throw them into the mix... You can yeah. obviously tell that there's going to be a lot of issues. But the thing is, though, is that they are young and they are getting out of it. And that's what makes the end of the movie so very hopeful is that, I mean, Utena turns into a car. We can't get over that. Like, that, like that's how it is. But the thing is, though, is that to me, that's not weird or fucked up or like, you know, some sort of like <laughs> the director taking us for a ride. For me, I see that Anthe literally seeing Utena as a vehicle to escape hell and become a better person. And that's what I see from it and stuff like that. So I think like Utena has its place in talking about abuse and showing how we get so seated deep into it that we can't help but to repeat it kind of deal. And I think that's what you're going for. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Series is just so good, you guys. (laughs) Well, it's a sad hell podcast where we go from merch to cycles of abuse are horrible. Yep. We can go back. We can talk a little more about merch if you want before uh, we uh, so we don't have to end on a downer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to say that uh, because the 20 
uh, we said 20th or 25th, but I think it's the 25th, and I will die on this. But I will look it up. <laughs> please do. But because of that, we've been actually getting a lot more merch that is more, like, modern suited and a lot more clothing. So we got um, this... They have blankets now, and they have this wonderful scarf that I've been losing my mind over, which is lovely. They have, like, enamel pins of the swords and of the, like, motifs, which I lose my mind. Oh, I this bitch loves enamel pins. I need to get on that right now. And uh, what else is there? Um, There have been a bunch of new rings. There's a specialty, um, like crystal necklace of anthony nutena of like um pink and purple diamonds in a big heart i saw that and i died (laughs) okay i have looked it up uh the manga started in 1996 and the anime started in 1997 so last year was the 20th anniversary oh okay okay and then officially officially but you see I don't care about time. <laughs> <laughs> Neither does Otori. <laughs> but I'm trying to uh, think. Oh, um, they recently had a big like um, pop-up art show kind of deal, which I was also like, I think I started crying over. <laughs> it was so beautiful. They had one. In- I heard about this. I want to see pictures if we can find them on the internets. They're, they were all over Twitter because people were going to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was in Japan. In 2016, a bunch of Los Angeles artists put together <gasps> an art show. Yes, and they released a big book, but I haven't been able to see it or get my hands on it. And I've been like quietly searching. I've seen some of the art on Tumblr, like of just where individual artists uh, would like post like a scan or like a version of what it was that they included but yeah i had totally forgotten about that until you just mentioned it and yeah i've seen some of that art on tumblr and it's so good and i love it and i would love to be able to see like the book of it because like oh my god yeah there's also been a bunch of fan projects that i really love and i've been following there has been a tenna fashion zine zine a Utena fashion zine. I can hear Teresa Ooh. yelling at me from across the state. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and all this other like unofficial stuff. People have been the amount of love that has been that has been coming out for Utena over the past couple of years has definitely increased. So like a lot more merch now. I have a print actually from this fantastic artist. I forget their name at the moment, which I'm very sad about. But um, they recently put out a print that I swiped at Katsuka. I want to say last year. And it's of this wonderful, like, um, crayon material style print. It's a digital print of Utena and uh, Dios is in the background. And on both, flanking both our sides is um, Anthe and Akito. And there's so much, like, flowers and roses. It's so lovely. I'll have to send a picture of it on tw- on Tumblr or something like that. Absolutely. But, um other than that, towards merch, we kind of switch more towards um, printing of the anime and stuff like that. And like, you know, putting out, you know, all the DVDs and things like that. When they first started out, this was in the 90s, they put them out on VHS tapes, which I have. So I have the, yes, I collect VHS tapes That's because amazing. I'm a terrible person. But um, the Student Council arc was put out in VHS tapes <laughs> and then they switched to DVDs for the rest of the series. And then they put together the Blu-ray box set that we all know now get that our hands on and then they came up with a brand new receive. Uh, blu-ray box set so you could probably get the older one for cheaper now but um 
I I have a lot of uh, I have the whole series on DVD. I don't remember if it's Blu-ray, but I have it all on DVD. And one Aww. of those box sets uh, was bought for me by Alice because she yeah. is a wonderful and amazing human being. But now that I have purchased the Blu-ray <laughs> box set, as soon as I get the Blu-ray box set, I will be re-gifting the that box set and also Aww. the rest of That's my so collection of the Utena anime to Alice so we will both have it. Someday we will get that Blu-ray box set that comes with the beautiful signet rings and I eagerly Someday, await its arrival but until we'll shine. <laughs> I was just about to say that. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> is there a lot of merchandise for the movie? To Actually there is. Um, there is merchandise for the movie. There's art books obviously. Uh, there's printing of the actual movie. Um, there is a whole section for cosplay of the movie. But other than that, there hasn't been really any sort of like keychains or stationary sets or anything like that. I think after the movie hit, the big thing that happened was is that the reason why Utena merch for so long was so hard to get was because its main uh, producer in... Um, what's the word for it? Um, when you're sending stuff out to other people, like distributor. Yes, distributor mm -hmm. to the United States, uh, Central Park Media, in 2007 or 2008, actually filed for bankruptcy. And and so Utena ah. merch in the United States, and that included making of the DVDs of um, the already licensed merch of all the sort of advertisements and all that kind of stuff. Anything that could go out on streaming, if it existed at that time, uh, which I don't, I forget when Crunchyroll was like put together. I think that was like early 2000s, 2000s. There was yeah, a time there, before Crunchyroll. Yeah, they're actually, oh God, you're reaching into my deep <laughs> trivia. But um, there was other sort of streaming services before Crunchyroll existed. And then Crunchyroll popped up, I want to say in 2010, 2011. But Crunchyroll was founded in 2006. Fuck. <laughs> Well, I know that was when it was founded. That doesn't mean that was when it became like big. Yeah. I think it became big uh, closer to when you uh, when you mentioned around the early 2010s. Yeah, that was when I really remember, you know, pinning that block where the only thing you saw was that. But um, other than that, not really much. We haven't really hit the sort of Every time it hits a sort of anniversary, we get a big influx. Um, recently, however, I've been very, very excited about this one streetwear set that I've been thinking about for a long time, and it just came out this year, and it's by Tenafan in Japan. It's a streetwear set, and basically it's uh, sweatshirts, t-shirts, um, all in black and white, all beautifully done. They're very avant-garde. And then there's like black and white hats or embroidery. It says Utena just across the front. <laughs> I definitely need one of those hats. A hundred percent. I have the link. Please hold while I paste this into chat. Yes, please. Yes. I'm very excited about it. I'm very, very excited about it. But other than that, Utena merch, I usually look for Utena merch that is very... Oh, and it's in the font. Yes. Ah, yes. Uh, yes. 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 Whenever I look through eBay and stuff like that, I usually find um, stuff that is like the figures or like the keychains or like I do find some of the um, Blu-ray sets floating around and stuff like that. But mostly what I look for is like the super weird stuff. <laughs> I, I'm still searching for the like tarot card set and the trading card sets. 
and stuff like that, which I'm very excited to know exists. What is your favorite piece of weird Utena merchandise that exists? <laughs> oh, you're going to hate this. Um, there was No, I'm going to love whatever it is that you say. <laughs> there was actually somebody once, um, I think they put this out once, and then it was really hard to find after that. But they actually made Jury's Locket with a picture of Shireen <gasps> on the inside of it. And it's like, it's beautifully done. And it looks exactly like the lock in the anime. And the last time I saw it, it was going for $500. And I had to convince myself to not to do it. I just heard former guests of the show, Abby, <laughs> gasp from across the United States. <laughs> she hasn't heard this yet. But when she does, she's going to flip her lid. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, and now I'm just very distracted by the Utena merchandise on the website that you said. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to my spare time. I haven't been able to get shit all done because I just like think about it all the time. Uh, yeah, I need this hat so bad. Yep. Oh shit, have you guys <laughs> talked about the um, the Utena game on the, the podcast? Saturn game? Yeah, have you talked about oh, it? Yeah, we actually, we streamed about maybe like a little under two hours of us playing it. And, and our uh, an- another uh, former friend of the show, our, well, continued friend of the show, former guest of the show, uh, Jenner and Jeff uh, have been doing a playthrough of it on their Let's Play channel. And we got to... Uh, sort of commentate over the was it the Sayonji route? <laughs> I, think so. I think it was the Sayonji route that we commentated over. <laughs> you a dating sim 101. I I would I would love a like legit like Utena just like a dating sim like not even like the weird because the the Sega Saturn visual novel is so interesting because it has its own plot that is totally or not totally but it is like it's separate from the main Utena timeline as far as plot is concerned. But I would love just like a like a corny ass dating sim <laughs> where you got to date one of the characters from the Utena series. Fucking kickstart me. Kickstart Siobhan. For real. <laughs> For real. Modern AU. You get to like undress Utena. I don't know, man. Kickstarter. <laughs> <laughs> or put different outfits on her. Yes, That'll be yes, good. Dress up one wedding simulator. <laughs> a wedding simulator would be very it would, good. It would... Oh, you get to prepare Utena and Anthe for their wedding. <laughs> <laughs> this would be so Big good. Question, would Utena wear a suit or a dress? Ooh. Ooh. I'm going to say suit. Mm. I feel like she would have like some sort of like like dress like suit jacket mm-hmm. combo where like she had like a dress but then like on top of it she also had like a a very nice like suit I, I- jacket cuz i feel like she wants i feel like she doesn't feel comfortable in a dress but she also would probably want to wear one like deep within herself anyway but she wouldn't want to go like full femme wedding dress Mm -hmm. so she'd want to kind of like make it her own and so she'd have something similar to like her her 
uh suit uniform jacket but like white with like some cute embellishments on it oh god i want to (laughs) die you i assume i can only assume that you saw the uh the Uranus and Neptune Anthe and Uthana cosplayers what? that were at uh, Katsukon this what? past weekend. <laughs> Are you kidding? No! It's good. Wait, you did not? Okay, I can't believe that you didn't see this because like three different people sent me the pictures of this. Hold on, I will find it because they are so good. I'm I'm obsessed with Sailor Moon. I'm obsessed with Revolutionary Girl Ujna. So naturally, everyone and their mom wanted to send me these pictures of these cosplayers. <laughs> should, I, should I reveal the ultimate uh, horrible thing? Actually? Yes, absolutely. While I'm looking for this, you must... I have never seen Sailor Moon. Oh, my heart. It's okay. Um, Alice hasn't seen a lot of Sailor Moon either, but I love it. It's my favorite thing ever. The the worst thing is that I own Sailor Moon VHS tapes, but I own like the um the English dub ones that they released in the 90s. Oh, boy. The, like the 20 minute ones that are like, oh my god. <laughs> Sorry. Oh man. Um, yeah, that dub is that dub is terrible <laughs> oh my god he's sexy on no mask i can't believe it oh. that's all i can remember <laughs> that's all i can remember oh jeez, it's so good oh my god I, uh it's taking me forever to, to look it up. navigate oh, the internet i have to I have to log into my Instagram, which I basically never do on desktop. Oh, no. Oh, and we've also been going for, like, basically two hours at this point. That's okay. <laughs> um, we're fine. I'll, at the very least, I will find the uh, link to this Instagram post, and I'll send it to you on Twitter oh. or something, because... I'm not going to go through the fuss of having to sign. I don't remember what my Instagram password is, so I'm going to have to sign into it uh, on my phone where I actually have it saved. But yeah, there was a uh, a Sailor Uranus and Sailor Neptune cosplayer that were in a... Uh, they were like... The color scheme was based off of Uranus and Neptune's outfits, but they were in a... Like in uh, Utena's duelist uniform and Anthe's bride dress and they were gorgeous and it was very good oh my god they were so good i love it i love it but yes as mentioned we have been going for a very long time so we should probably wrap it up yes definitely definitely. do you have any do you have any other information about merchandise that you need to share before we wrap this up it's fucking expensive please send me it that's it (laughs) I'm poor! Give me it! And that's the mood. <laughs> if you would like to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at Utenicast. If you would like to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Impandonata. Where can they follow you on Twitter, Alice? They can follow me at Lyrewolf, which is spelled L-Y-R-E-W-U-L-F. And Siobhan, if the people would like to find you on the internet, should you wish to be found, is there some place that they can do that? Uh, my Twitter account, which is just called Odd Ghost, and then you can check out my band's Tumblr page, which is uh, The Heavy Hitters. Oh, you're in a band? Yeah, with Teresa! <laughs> my lovely what? wife! My lovely, lovely wife! 
Uh, but you, this is the first I'm hearing about this. I can't believe no music out, but we're getting bowling shirts. It's very exciting. (laughs) That's a very Teresa way of doing things. You can find our, um, our Tumblr page for our band, uh, heavyheaders.tumblr.com. If you would like to follow our Tumblr page, that is imagineandutina.tumblr.com. It hasn't been updated in a while because I'm terrible, but uh, I will be putting the episodes back up on there soon. And I also try to reblog any Utina content that I come across, or if I have any free time, I go through the Utina tag and just uh, queue up things to be uh, posted on that blog. If you would like to come on the show and talk to us about one of the remaining volumes of the manga or some other area of interest involving Utena that you would like to talk to us about, you can email us at imagineandutena at gmail.com. If you would like to buy some sort of merchandise with our logo on it, you can do that at the link that is in our pinned tweet on Twitter. And uh, we are a Patreon-supported podcast, and soon Alice will be writing the very first piece of fan fiction owed to one of our Patreon subscribers. Alice, how's that coming along? Oh my god. You have no idea. You've been given a very good premise, admittedly. Uh, it, It is going to be... It's going to be a thing. I will... Uh, I will contact our patron in particular and see how they feel about the details of that being made public. But if not, it'll be their special Alice Utina fan fiction that they get to keep all to themselves. It should be fun. If you want a piece of fan fiction written by Alice, you can support our Patreon, which uh, there's also a link to pretty much anywhere that we can be found. You can find our Patreon link. And that's it for us. That's all we've got. Revolutionize the world, everyone. See you later. Bye.